December 16, 1773, the Boston Tea Party takes place. Turns out some of the Sons of Liberty were dressed as Native Americans, which makes it the second most racist tea party. Welcome to The Revisionist. I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. And our guest tonight is, as some people would term it in Denver comedy, an up and comester. Uh, <laughs> nope. Yeah. Uh huh. Yep. Yeah. I think the po- the more po- nowadays the kids are saying an up and come dumpster might be. It's an abbreviation I for mean, up and yeah, come yeah, dumpster. Yeah. Well, no, no there's an that. apostrophe in there actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, boy, young up and come dumpster. Please welcome. <laughs> Nate Earl to the show. Oh, yeah. That is actually the description of my last job. It's hard to, <laughs> hard to put it on a resume. How are you guys, gentlemen doing? <laughs> doing? I was doing fine, and then I brought that upon us. Uh-huh. Yeah. Listen, I mean, well, if you got a whole bunch of cum, where are you going to put it other than, <laughs> other than Nate Earl's well, then a dumpster. Cum dumpster. Oh, you patented it? Yeah. Yep. Oh. I'm making Skrilla off this. You, you I, know, I'm amazed the government let that... Let that we have I it got, the, now I want to know if the fleshlight oh, is no, patented, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm one of those patent trolls. Uh, well, we haven't gotten, we haven't gotten to our limited series <laughs> on uh, the, uh, the origins of waste disposal in ancient Rome, but when we do, the cum dumpster episode should be a real highlight. <laughs> After all those bacchanalias, there was so much cum. What were they to do? <laughs> oh, man. It was originally cum gutters. Yeah. And then it went, oh, <sighs> Jesus Christ. No, no, no. That's, the that's cum why gutters, it goes, from, it goes from the cum gutters into the cum dumpsters. It's a, you know. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, hi, Mom I mean, and Dad. really into the cum <laughs> landfills, which are really probably not helping with climate change. Did you change. know? That there is a cum island the size of Texas <laughs> in the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> that's why the EPA is so important. <laughs> Trump is just getting that agency right now. It's like, I don't care how much cum gets into the environment. I'm not going to live past 100. So. <laughs> Listen, we'll save some of the environment for not being cummed on. Uh, oh, okay. God damn it. What am I, Zach Welsh? We uh, <laughs> uh, we are now nearing the record for most times we've said "come" in the first ten minutes of an episode. No, it's it won't last oh, long. I'm, erasing I'm all sure. Of this. <laughs> oh, we'll break that record post haste. <laughs> uh, Zach, what do we? What do we actually do here? Oh yeah, I forgot. Um, so instead of talking about, you know, cum is important to history because it allows history to continue. And in this podcast, we discuss hey. elements from history. Uh, Can I first, just say, we great have segue. that was yeah masterfully built. Um. We have uh, a guest on this podcast, and one of us discusses a true event from history, and the other person uh, uh, gives us a crazy, backwards, banana, bullshit, fake, alternate version of history. Mm. And at the very end, we vote on which one becomes the true history of the world going forward. Um, (laughs) Eagle-eared listeners. Eagle-eared listeners. Who so listened not, to the last not episode? Attention. Yeah, <laughs> Eagles not great. I'm well, not known for their hearing. 
I assume okay. that people put this on in the background while they're doing chores and have about 10% retention. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, but last uh. episode, we discussed uh, the Bloody Red Baron of Germany. And uh, at the end of that episode, we discovered that uh, the true history of the Bloody Red Baron was that he was uh, down on his luck orphan who created the box that pizza comes in. Mm. Uh, not not uh, pizza itself, <laughs> nope. but but the boxes. Yes. <laughs> um, I wish I could remember more of that story also because it was... Insane. It, there was a lot of crazy shit going on. <laughs> there, there, was, there was a few years there yeah. b- before, after he had yeah. invented, invented the box, but before um, uh, the, I can't think of another famous uh, aeronaut. Um, <laughs> uh, Amelia Charles Earhart. Lindbergh. Charles Lindbergh invented those little plastic tables. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh, right. To prop mm-hmm. open the, uh, anyway. That's a topic for another day. And a better uh, reference poll. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, oh. this week. But uh, this week, we are sorry to cut you off there, Brian, no, and fine. say the exact but same thing week... you were talking about. <laughs> this week, we are discussing <laughs> the story of the Lusitania, the reason that America got involved in the Great War, or at least one of a couple. Mm-hmm. Um I Did you say the Lusitania also? Did I mispronounce it? Did I say something wrong? I always thought it was Lusitania, that, but it just made me think of like Lusitania I think Harding. I said Lusitania. Mm. Oh, I... But, wait, my, who's Lusitania Harding? <laughs> no, Lusitania Harding is just ship. Lusitania Harding is a figure skater. Sure. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I'm not editing this wait. episode as much as I usually do also because it's like Friday night. So No, Tanya Harding has that uh, new movie out. Mm-hmm. I lose Tanya. But uh <laughs> where she oh, where she God. creeps up on a where she creeps up on a battleship and hits it with a crowbar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thus sinking it. But then that battleship went on to host SNL and then who's the good who who's the hero of the story? Did Nancy Kerrigan host? I mean, any- yes. Also, I think Tanya Harding was always the villain of the story. <laughs> it wasn't like when yeah, she was, was doing the kneecapping, she was the hero at that point. <laughs> no, it was like a it was like a fucking Walter White situation. <laughs> yeah, uh, a lot of frat boys who didn't know what they were talking about had posters up of her. Wonderfully done. <laughs> Hell yeah. Anyways, we're talking about the Lusitania, <laughs> the ship that spurred America's involvement in World War One. Spoilers. I think that Mr. Brian Flynn, your stalwart host, uh, yes, has the true history. All yes. right, Brian, do you want to get started? Um, so the Lusitania uh, was built uh, by the Cunard Shipping Company, which is sort of the main rival of White Star Lines. Uh, which built the Titanic. Uh, among... Not to be confused with Marcus Garvey's Black Star Lines, which mm-hmm. were very different. Yes, very, very different. Um, but uh, so around like the turn of the 20th century, the Germans had been sort of winning the race for the fastest Atlantic crossing. And Britain couldn't let that happen. So the British Navy approached Cunard and they did like a partnership where um, the British Navy funded the building of a fleet of very fast passenger ships and uh, 
in exchange, they had to make the ships ready to be retrofitted for when World War I eventually breaks out, because they all knew it was something big was coming. Um, and so that's how the Lusitania was born. Um, or built, like, whatever. Um, it was, um... No, no, ships are birthed. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, that's a fairly good play on words. Um, it was a, uh, considered the fastest, uh, and most luxurious civilian vessel afloat. Um... There were some... Uh, the title previously held, if I'm not mistaken, by the Titanic. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and then there was an interim of a few years <laughs> when the Titanic was considered the most luxurious ship in the bottom of the Atlantic. Um, <laughs> but Frankly, at the end of the story, it will have been replaced. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, this is a weird time because Titanic sank in 1912, and then this is happening in 1915. Uh, and uh, we'll get to it later, but spoiler alert, it fucking sinks. <laughs> so in like in a three-year span, two of like the jewels of the ocean fucking went down. Um, there was some uh, some ill omens. The first winter that well, the if God had man had won- wanted if God had wanted man to cross the ocean, he would have given him gills, which I think he did originally, and then we came on land. So. I guess this story doesn't make much sense. (laughs) Listen. (laughs) The shape of water in theaters now. God doesn't make mistakes, except for that one time. (laughs) Um, So the first winter the ship was on the ocean, um, all of the wood uh, furnishing or like the wood trim uh, shrank from the cold and had to be redone. Uh which was uh, dumb. <laughs> a dumb thing to mention. You think they would have known about that at this point in uh, Nautical. Oh, that cold makes know. wood shrink? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a whole Seinfeld about it. You'd think they would have. Or, or like, you know, <laughs> one old pirate going, listen, <laughs> you need to build this with more wood. The thing's going to sink. Does it, I do like does the idea a of a 19... 19- 10s version of that episode of Seinfeld about shrinkage, but mostly because I have a very caricatured version vision of the 1910s. Everybody's <laughs> yeah. dressed like Steamboat Willie in this version, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, for most of its life, um, the Lusitania was captained by a man named William Thomas Turner, who, fun fact, uh, married his first cousin. So, from here on out, I have referred to him as Captain Cousin Fucker. Um, Listen, we've all done it, right, guys? Uh, that's not at all true. <laughs> no, I think it is true. Literally everybody has married their first cousin. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, uh, we found all yeah, these. Brian, bur- we found all these marriage here. certificates. I just, I just did the fucking Macaulay Culkin Home Alone <laughs> face, even though no one could see it. Um, yeah, like last, I think. On actually, last November, on the night of November eighth, everybody in the country got drunk and married their first cousin. <laughs> it was the second worst thing that happened that night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, but so in that deal uh, between Cunard and the Admiralty, uh, they specified that the Lusitania should carry its coal to run its boilers in tunnels below the waterline that run the length of the ship. 
And they thought this was safer because most naval battles at this time were uh, people shooting at each other above the water. I, I did finger guns. I'm doing a lot of miming. Guys, this if you can be a guest on this podcast, it really it's, enhances the, yeah, the viewing. We're, we're putting out like a VR experience, I think. Guys, join our Patreon, $5 a month, and we'll put up a webcam, and you can see all of Brian's... Fuck, you actually <laughs> remembered to plug the Patreon before I did. <laughs> and let's I just... I think we should, double, <laughs> we should double... Uh, we should double plug the Patreon, because... Now that uh, net neutrality is dead, these Google calls are going to cost some actual money. (laughs) Goddamn. Um, So uh, this was also at at a very specific time in history um, when submarines are starting to become uh, part of wider use. And um, the navies are starting to figure out their potential role they don't exactly they know they can do damage but they don't know how to adapt to it quite yet um Mm. and this is also at a time when a lot of naval officers didn't know how to swim because they thought being able to swim only prolonged your suffering if you (laughs) were thrown overboard is the most british (laughs) thing i've ever there's something i consider even more british near the end of this (laughs) Um, but the um, fucking arrogance of, of no no no. Thing. If I learn to swim, I'll just die longer. <laughs> um, Instead, they recited a Wordsworth uh, a Wordsworth poem as they sang. <laughs> that was the standard way of dying for the Brits. Oh, it's so British. <laughs> um, so World War One breaks out in 1914, and Germany as part of the response to the uh, naval blockade of Germany, uh, institutes what they called a zone of war around the British Isles, where they would attack any, like, even a ship with, uh, like, any British ship, even if it was carrying passengers, uh, civilians. That's the goddamn word. I'm going to be honest with you, Brian. I think zone of war speaks for itself. Yeah, zone of war. As a concept. Yeah, they declared this whole house a war zone. Um, yeah, the, uh, so at the beginning of the war, the Navy confiscated the Lusitania to fit it with guns and get it ready for battle, but they realized it was too expensive because when it's running normally, not even at military pace, the Lusitania consumed nearly 38 tons of coal per hour. Hell yeah. Uh, (laughs) which that's the most American part of the story. (laughs) Um, But, so, when the Lusitania was getting ready to leave New York on this voyage in May of 1915, uh, the German embassy put out a warning in New York newspapers saying, hey, maybe any British flag vessel heading to Britain will be in danger because we there's a state of war between our countries. Uh, they and took- also, if I'm not mistaken, at this time... Even though America wasn't involved in the war, they were low-key shipping weapons to Britain pretty regularly, which Germany was not a fan of. The Lusitania, uh, when we're following it in the story on this trip, carried over 4 million rounds of ammunition, uh, 5,000 shrapnel shell casings, and over 3,000 percussion fuses. Um, So there's definitely supply going on. The U.S. was less neutral than it 
Per- percussion fusions were unrelated. They were just a thing for for drums, right? Yeah, no, it was uh, <laughs> uh, the thing. Uh, Neil Pert was on board also. Um, uh, With one God damn it, I am turning into my dad. Um, so uh, when they realized it was too expensive, they turned it back over to Cunard to run for passengers again. Uh, but because of the expense of running it during wartime, uh, because a lot, not a lot of people were buying tickets to go to a fucking war zone, um, one of the things they did was shut down one of the boilers, which reduced the ship's top speed from 25 knots to 21. Um, but for this trip, uh, the first and third classes were underbooked. Uh, third class was typically underbooked for a voyage going from uh, United States to Europe. Because all the fucking Irish were coming the other way. Hey, maybe rephrase that. <laughs> eh, I, um, <laughs> Brian Flynn can say it. Um, but so on this on this trip, uh, the Lusitania carried two thousand passengers, which, of course, in boat speak, is uh, two thousand souls, which is rather ominous. Uh, and according to Eric Larson, I actually like that. I like that back in the 1910s, whenever people boarded a mode of, a mode of transportation, they just assumed death was imminent <laughs> and transformed from people to souls. Oh yeah. man, How, souls had, being transported evolved. somewhere. <laughs> yeah, no. The original name for horses were grave cats. It turns out. <laughs> um, uh, according to Eric Larson, who wrote the book uh, Dead Wake. Uh, from which I pulled a lot of this information. Uh, the bookings on this trip included, quote, an unexpectedly large number of children. Um, <laughs> boy, oh boy. It wouldn't be. <laughs> really didn't want to know it that. It wouldn't be World <laughs> War. It wouldn't be a World War One story if there weren't an extra depressing detail. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I mentioned submarines. Let's shift scenes a little bit. Down to uh, the water around Great Britain, where the captain of a U-boat, uh, which stands for Unterseebooten, uh, which mm-hmm. irrelevant, but wanted to say, the U-boat U-20, uh, Captain Walter uh, Schweiger, Schweiger, pardon me. Wait, wait, wait. Did you say Unterseebooten? Yes. So that just means undersea boat, right? Yes. That 100%. Yeah. Okay. German is a weird language. Uh, Anthony Crawford posted something on Instagram today that he looked up the German translation for birth control pill, (laughs) and it was anti-baby pillin. Oh, boy. (laughs) Just the best. Sometimes, you know what? you have this specific word for a specific thing. Exactly. (laughs) Sometimes you just pull it out your butt like a Japanese person. I like their candor, to be honest. (laughs) <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I mean, it, you get what you're paying for. Um, <laughs> but Schwieger was known for his aggressiveness as a commander. Uh, in February of 1915... Hashtag he, me too. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he fired a torpedo oh, at a hospital I, ship. When, when we're talking about German candor, there's just this one fact. This is slightly unrelated, but I found this out last night and it fascinated me and I just want to share it. Um, so the highest grossing movie in Germany in 2017 prior to the release of The Last Jedi 
was not a major release, but a German movie called Fuck Ju Goth, which translates to Fuck You Goth, and was released... <laughs> Goth is misspelled, and it was released in English language in the English language as "Suck Me Shakespeare." Because <laughs> what? what? Oh, I I assume Shakespeare misspelled because I assume they I think they didn't think that Americans would know who Goth was. <laughs> nope. And you uh, that, also, you like, can't you say fuck. You, you meant goth, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm looking um, up. I've I've already Googled "Suck Me." There we go. Shakespeare. Suck Me Shakespeare 3. What? It was what? it was the third in the trilogy, yeah. <laughs> 92% of Google users liked it though. Um I mean, I've seen Sh- Suck Me Shakespeare 1 and <laughs> you know, uh Jenna Jameson really top of her form. Yeah, of uh, course. <laughs> and uh, of course uh, Suck Me Shakespeare 2 was such a rehash of Suck Me Shakespeare 1. <laughs> I really wanted to Shakespeare to do something besides the sucking. <laughs> Maybe the fucking or <laughs> And of course Milton's Merkins was not exactly um mm-hmm. anyway, um so in February, he had fired a torpedo at a hospital ship. Uh, he missed, but even his officers were like, oh, what the fuck? Um, <laughs> but uh, his friends would say, like, in his personal life, quote, he couldn't kill a fly. And uh, a crew member said of Schwieger and U-20, quote, she was a jolly boat and a kindly boat, uh, which I thought was kind of adorable. Um so that's patrolling the waters around Great Britain. Uh, and meanwhile, the Lusitania... That is the only time a German creation has been described as jolly and kindly, mm-hmm. I think, in the history of man. Unironically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so at this time, the Lusitania is underway. Um, oh, also, a uh, one of the German embassy at newspaper ads warning travelers not to go to the Lusitania... In the New York world, it appeared directly opposite the ad for the Lusitania. <laughs> um, but on the evening... It's good counter-programming. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's just message control is what it is. On the evening of May 16th, 1915, uh, Captain Cousinfucker interrupted the ship's traditional talent show um, to issue oh, a warning that, that they were about is to enter true? a war zone. Yup. Oh, boy. Oh. Hey, all those too many kids that are on that boat. <laughs> Bad news for Jimmy and your puppet show. To be fair, I feel like it was an adult talent show, which is like, yeah, mine the shit out of this ship right now. In, ni- in the 1910s, kids were not allowed to participate in talent <laughs> no, shows. No, kids were stoking the boilers. <laughs> That's why you bring them on the ship. Got those nimble fingers. You know, exactly. In between machinery, you know? <laughs> they have the good lungs. They're not all used up. I mysteriously. Mean, that's not entirely true. They they did participate in a talent show, but they said uh, the talent was shoveling coal. Whoever was the best at it would get a prize, and the prize was an hour more time shoveling coal. The prize is your dinner. A yeah. potato. <laughs> um, oh, I should say also, speaking of coal, that because of the grotesque amount of coal they used on this ship, uh, the... So much of the ship was covered in a layer of coal dust. So um, what you're saying is Germans really the first to go green. I mean, what? <laughs> Listen, they took out a coal devouring. Oh yeah, monster. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see you. I see you now. I recognize you. Um, yeah. So 
They replaced a dirty form of energy, coal, with a clean form, torpedoes. (laughs) (laughs) We really... I've been meaning to talk about putting in a torpedo farm somewhere on the plains. (laughs) Um, So, Cousin Fucker interrupts the talent show and he issues a warning that, hey, we're about to enter an actual war zone. But he said he was confident that nothing bad would happen because he had uh, outrun submarines before. His strategy was basically just going full speed ahead. Um, Oh, what a novel plan. (laughs) Yep. Um, Some passengers still uh, not wanting to be caught below decks slept in the dining room fully dressed. Uh, One man who is a Greek dude, uh, not relevant, sorry. Um, (laughs) He put on a life jacket and spent that night in one of the lifeboats. Just like a fucking Greek. <laughs> yeah, that's when it becomes relevant. Um, Any Um So he was staking out his lifeboat in advance of the unusually large number of children. <laughs> yeah, exactly, actually. Yeah, fu- you know, fuck that Greek asshole. Um, Listen, um, they're going to call women and children. I'll already be in the lifeboat. So. <laughs> he um, got that pre-boarding pass on the lifeboat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got fucking TSA pre-check. Um, I would love it if he just, like, as soon as anything happened, cut the lines. This one is mine. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> um, so the morning of the 17th, the Admiralty issues a warning about submarines and the uh, issues a warning about, you know, combat in the area. Dropped a specific mention of submarines uh, from that warning, despite the fact that the U-20 fired on four ships and sank three of them in the previous two days in that whole area. What? Uh, Yeah. And the U-20 itself was turning to go home. Uh, They were low on fuel, had bad visibility, and were down to three torpedoes, so it was about to get not fun for them. Um, But... So the Lusitania is in this area, and there's a bunch of fog rolling in because Britain, uh, and they drop their speed to uh, first to 15 knots, and then they crank it back up to 18. So uh, at 1.20 in the afternoon, um, the U-20 sights the Lusitania, and then about 30 minutes later, it launches a torpedo, which hits the starboard side. Uh, and listen, we got all these torpedoes. We only have three yeah. left. I don't want to. Give... <laughs> you know what? It's treat yourself. They're gonna charge us for Did as it... many torpedoes we use. Yeah, so... exactly. Yeah, it, it's like it's like it's newsies rules. It's like a golden. It's a. It's basically a golden corral, really, yeah. if you think about it. Um. Yeah, I, I assume it took them that thirty minutes to verify. That there were an, an unusually high number, number of, children of children on board. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, um, so the torpedo hits the starboard side, and there's one explosion, and then a few seconds later, a second explosion, which the uh, the uh, C- Captain Schwieger, uh, Schwieger speculated Hans was Gruber. the coal dust. Uh, British propaganda at the time uh would say it was a second torpedo fired to make sure they sank the ship. Um, but the ship started listing uh, like 15 degrees starboard, which complicated the launching of lifeboats 
because some of them were tilting out so far away from the ship that people couldn't board them. And the others... And that went, Greek guy was just laughing. <laughs> yeah, and eating some baklava. You called uh, me crazy. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you Aristotle the said... the ship. <laughs> it has a fat wedding. Um, <laughs> um, and, like, on the other side, when they tried to launch the lifeboats... Uh, the angle was such that some of them would hit the hull of the ship on the way down. Um, so there are there's one man named um, there are some notable people on the ship. Uh, there's a man named Isaac Lehman, uh, who is a uh, New York, I believe, banker. I don't know what he what he actually did, um, but he when he was getting ready to evacuate and putting on his life jacket. He made sure to grab his revolver. Um, and Hell yeah. So <laughs> this was like at a point when Captain Cousinfucker hadn't ordered the lifeboats to launch. Uh, and there were a bunch of people in a lifeboat waiting to go. And just a, uh, a crew member with an axe ready to cut the rope. And he wasn't cutting it. So Layman pulled out his revolver and basically ordered him to cut the rope. Uh, and the boat then slammed into the the lifeboat then slammed into the side of the ship and dumped its passengers into the ocean. Um one of the most famous people um on board the Lusitania uh was a man named Alfred Vanderbilt, heir to the Vanderbilt Railroad fortune, uh who in 1912 missed uh his booked trip on the Titanic. Um but ah, was ah, on the Lusitania despite getting a mis- quote a mysterious telegram uh saying that the ship was certainly doomed. Um, and reportedly, he gave his life vest to another passenger, uh, even though he couldn't swim. So even though he's like a Vanderbilt, I'm like, okay, that was cool of you. Um, when, so, he was, when he was sinking into the ocean, did he tug on his collar and say, this is why Vanderbilt stick to the railroads. <laughs> That's the band going down with the ship. <laughs> Just the tuba looks around. It's like, it's a living. Um, uh, so Captain Cousinfucker. Yeah, there was also a sentient tuba on board. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mention. forgot. Did I, meant, did I not mention that? <laughs> anyway, and music is magic. I not say anything. <laughs> Um, Captain Cousinfucker was standing on the deck, uh, according to, according to accounts, hugging the logbook and the charts of the ship when a wave swept him out to sea. Uh, but while he was afloat, he found a, he found a chair that was floating in the ocean and clung to it and was rescued. Um, the ship... Idiot, you're just living longer. Exactly. (laughs) No, technically not swimming, just, just water sitting. Um, uh, the ship sank in just 18 minutes, um, a total of 1,195 people died, uh, of those only 289 bodies have been recovered, uh, 65 of those have never been identified, um, too many children, too, just too many, they didn't even give kids names until like age 13 when they were out of the workforce um so there were also 
stories of people who missed the Lusitania, and this is... Uh, Maybe Seth the, McFarlane, interesting. Yeah, well, no, yeah. a lot of people have missed the Lusitania by virtue of being born way oh, the I, fuck after. I was after. doing a 9-11 <laughs> joke. Oh, I'm okay. As a percentage of... The percentage of human beings who have lived who yes, missed the Lusitania is extremely high. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but uh, Ellen Terry, and this is like the most English thing ever. She was like one of the most well-known English actresses of her time. She was just finishing a lecture tour of the U.S. And uh, Cunard offered her a free suite on the Lusitania. But her daughter made her promise that she wouldn't fly on an English ship or fly wouldn't sail on an english ship uh because of the danger posed so she took uh, she ended up on a ship called the new york which was slower and less luxurious but after she heard of the sinking of the lusitania she wrote in her diary quote i suppose on the whole i prefer this bed to the ocean bed Dope. <laughs> Which is oh, what a sick burn! <laughs> yeah, take some, that. Like, Gilbert un- Godfrey unusually large number of children. <laughs> you burnt. Um, <laughs> um, so this had the effect, uh, and Zach sort of you sort of alluded to it earlier. It turned American opinion decidedly against the Germans. Uh, the American public was largely pro neutrality uh, prior to this, and. Of course, the Americans didn't enter the war until later, but the Lusitania was used in propaganda even up to that point. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, And it caused the Germans to get rid of the policy of attacking civilian ships, even in the waters around Great Britain, until 1917, when they're like, yeah, we're takesies backsies on that. <laughs> and So two, not even two full years. Basically, yeah. And they declared unrestricted submarine warfare, which is one of the two things that brought the, the U.S. into the kind. war. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. One other th- thing. Um, Again, part of the reason they probably took it back is because the U.S. was continually funding, funneling weapons yes. into Britain. Yes. Um, and th- a lot of the, um, a lot of the talk in Germany had to do with. Um, the fact that why is Cunard running a passenger line through a war zone, um, which is a very valid point. And uh, there was a Munich uh, metal maker, like medallion maker, who put out a, uh, a medal commemorating the sinking of the Lusitania, which on one side showed the sinking ship with the phrase, uh, Keine Bandwehr, which is no contraband. And then on the other side... Holy moly! Yeah. Uh <laughs> On the other side, it had a skeleton selling Lusitania tickets uh, with a like the word Kun- in a Cunard booth, and the caption "Geschäft über alles," which translates to "business above all." And I mean, that's still a pretty trenchant attack on American capitalism today. <laughs> Not gonna lie, I definitely tried tracking down some of those medals on eBay after that. Um, that's pretty dope. But that is the story of the Lusitania. Hello, everyone. I'm Giles. I'm Emily. And I'm Michelle. And we're the Beyond the Trope podcast. Every week, we delve into topics like pop culture, fiction writing, and other nerdy things. We feature laid-back conversations, bad puns, and in-depth interviews with authors, comic creators, and more. Find our show at beyondthetrope.com. And it could have happened that way. (laughs) Yes. Should have happened that way. But did it? Should have happened that way. (laughs) Uh, So you've heard that... 
spew of bullshit. Let's talk <laughs> about the actual uh, Lusitania. Or, as it was uh, uh, initially christened when it was a pleasure ve- vessel, the Lust Mania. <laughs> Man, you gave yourself so oh. many difficult words right in a row right there. <laughs> boy, oh boy. Initially christened when she was a pleasure vessel, Lusitania. Damn it. <laughs> this is Pleasure. like a, a less Red presentable leather, love leather. boat, huh? Take two. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like the 1910s reboot of Love Boat, <laughs> along with like right before Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, instead of uh, their bartender, they just have a, a blank void <laughs> because they were not allowed on TV then. Uh, <laughs> I just imagine a narrator saying, "It started out as a love boat. Little do they know, it would end up like Gilligan's Island." <laughs> <laughs> What narrator is this? <laughs> I don't know. Whoever's making well, this documentary. Well, Waters, they did sp- <laughs> get the skipper, it, the, it, the millionaire and his wife. It, uh, like, the way you narrated that reminded me of the narrator of the show Murder Maps, uh, which is on Netflix now. Which not is a, a show. British true crime show. Murder Maps? Yep. Eddie Hoosel. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> get it together, Britain. Uh, <laughs> speaking of get it together, Britain... Um, yes. Uh, <clears throat> Is that just a show, literally, where they get a map to where a murder happened, and then when they get there, the show is over? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's almost what I thought it was at first. I thought it was more about maps. Uh, it's primarily about murder. The maps Siri, don't actually pay. Solve up. this murder. Where did it take place? <laughs> yeah, no, you go on ways and fucking crowdsource a fucking murder. Um, <clears throat> right. Uh, the the lustmania was taken over <laughs> from from the British people by the government uh, as a military supply vessel, um, and was uh, initially sunk in 1915. <laughs> um, this was actually uh, a great initially cover sunk. up. Yes, initially sunk. We'll get back to that. Um, <laughs> uh, there's actually uh, uh, a lot of propaganda covering up the cause of its sinking, blaming it coincidentally on the uh, German government and getting America get involved in World War Two uh, One. Wow. Um, but the true fact of the story is that um, some very ve- rich venture capitalists of the day, including Grayson Murphy, J.P. Morgan, uh, and the conglomerate Remington Arms, uh, had joined together. Uh, as uh, a group to, uh, one, uh, mysteriously take out the heir to the Vanderbilt fortune. Um, mysteriously? As, well. <laughs> How did this happen? Essentially. Well, <laughs> well, I was in more of a sense of uh, if, if you shoot a man net standing next to the president, no one suspects you intended to kill that man. Uh, ah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, <clears throat> the perfect crime, except yes. you still get arrested. <laughs> In addition uh, to uh, a large amount of Anglo-British phobia that was happening in the American upper class, as tempers were escalating and Britain began gaining more and more arms and military power, uh, many political and, and uh, monetary seats in America began to fear for Britain taking back their uh, foster child. Uh, uh, as a <laughs> territory and, you know, resource-dense one at that. Um, <laughs> We've played settlers, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, these, uh, this conglomerate, uh, interestingly enough, went on to, in 1933, conduct the business plot 
to overthrow President FDR uh, mm. and instill fascism in America as World War II reared its head. Well, that's a real thing, a by the way, listeners. Thought, but. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that, uh, uh, listeners, that is a real thing. There was a bunch of corporate. CEOs who wanted to overthrow FDR and go with the Nazis. That's that's yes. a true thing. 100%. Um, hey, I mean, topical. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but this conglomerate, uh, I'll refer the, to them as the business, business plot group, um, uh, conducted uh, their own sort of uh, forays into submarine. Uh, specifically, they modeled the the. Uh, That's vessel. exactly what a fucking rich person in the 1910s would call it. <laughs> they went uh, based off the uh, initial uh, original military American submersible vehicle, the Turtle, uh, which was on house at display at West Point, where it was initially developed, uh, <laughs> or as it was, as it was otherwise known in New York, the Toidle. Anyway. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm walking over here. Um, Gabagool. I am. I am from upstate New York. Uh, so the the turtle, for those of you who do not know, uh, was a large barrel uh, <laughs> that had uh, machinery in such that it was a pedal power device uh, that mm-hmm. uh, m- men were using to essentially stick sticks of dynamite to British ships during the Civil War that were going up and down the Hudson River uh, and fight, fighting them in New York. Um, so J.P. Morgan stole that from the West Point Museum. Um, <laughs> in like an ocean, I'm assuming like an Ocean's Eleven style. Of course. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, it's very interesting, but we frankly don't have enough time to get no, into it. No, not at all. And uh, then the top brass at Remington Arms spent a month developing a newer model uh, this time one with a viewport, uh, which was used to sink the Lus- Lusitania as the, after it had been rebranded. Um, Couldn't have Lustmania. Yes. Of course, not with all those children. Come on. <laughs> uh, I'm glad the well, alternate history keeps the fact that there were an unusual <laughs> amount of children on board. Well, okay, no, here's the thing. It's Lusitania till 8 p.m., but after dark, it's the Lustmania. <laughs> After the children go to bed, because they're so passed out from shoveling coal. I think you mean after the children go to work. (laughs) Uh, That uh, turtle, Mach 2, uh, or Mach Turtle 2, uh, was actually piloted, interestingly enough, by a uh, a, a very young uh, Gustav Drumpf. Um, Uh, in, when they had originally emigrated to this country as rich p- people of power. Uh, <clears throat> continuing, uh, of course, the dynamite sunk the ship after it had uh, exploded and then set off a torpedo that was just harmlessly floating by, uh, sent off by one of the German U-boats uh, <laughs> as they were dis- unloading them into the ocean floor for fun and oh, to, for hunting of- for mermaids. Uh, One of Germany's Germany's famous lazy torpedoes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, it's, or as it's called in German, ein sleepy torpedo. 
<laughs> Ein tor- torpedo sleepen. Yeah. Uh, which, which also comes up with the German idiom, to sleep like a torpedo. Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so the uh, Lusitania was uh, exploded off of the coast of Ireland, um, about 12 miles away. Uh, thousands died. Uh, but of the passengers, uh, 79 survived, uh, all of whom reported um, a herd of seal-like mammals uh, coming to their aid and swimming them to the Irish coast, <laughs> uh, whereupon, uh, after they had been resuscitated, uh, the, the survivors saw beautiful red-haired maidens who drew leather suits over their heads before jumping back into the water. Um, and... Uh, one witness, a very young girl, um, reported that uh, one of these creatures had said to her that they would have saved more, but they were not pure of heart enough. <laughs> uh, oh, like all the children. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> Listen, you can't be pure of heart with black lung. It's just impossible. Well, no, they were so covered in coal dust that they thought that they were adults. So they're like, eh. Right. No, or Irish, which is worse. Yep. <laughs> This is my most anti-Irish. I, I don't. <laughs> as as an Irish Scot, I'm offended. I mean, as an Irish Lebanese person. <laughs> I mean, what we should just be glad that there are no Greek people here to be offended. <laughs> <laughs> if there's one thing us Irish can get behind, it's fuck the Greek people. <laughs> Suddenly the bleeding of a sheep is behind us. John Papiuano, <laughs> fuck you. Yeah, thank you. I was trying to think of a good... Good Greek slam. <laughs> Local comedi- comedian and physicist John Papayua. <laughs> oh boy. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and uh, that, as they say, is how it happened. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, listeners, right. before we get to, I think I think the slam you were looking for, by the way, is "suck me, Socrates." Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> Ah! God damn it! <laughs> oh man, uh, fuck! I'm trying to do something with Aeschylus in my head. It's not working. <laughs> um, <laughs> gone soft, Sophocles. Okay. When they're when they're talking about the coming of the frogs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So there's two like real quick bits of business because I know this episode is running long. Like I said, not editing as much <laughs> as I usually do. Woo! Um. It's like 8.30 on a Friday night, so... Hell yeah. Um, first of all, by the time this comes out, we'll have hit uh, 10,000 subscribers. According- Fuck you, really? Oh, <laughs> I know, we're, it's so bad, but so many people listen to it. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, which, a- according to Squarespace, and they might just be trying to get me to buy more Squarespace, <laughs> um, but... Thank you to everyone who has done that. Uh, also, who hurt you? Uh, <laughs> uh, well, honestly, after all the cum talk right at the beginning of this episode. Oh, man, I forgot about that. <laughs> Those fond solid memories. days. Yeah, all the fun. Yeah, it's a fun better until you roll, roll over on it. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, 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 this is the one I'm not editing. Jesus. Um, <laughs> Uh, also, listeners, if you have been paying attention to social media, the news uh, lately, yeah, uh, bring it down a bit. You'll notice that um, Patreon announced a scheme when they were um, 
changing how they uh, charge their fees. And they just announced the other day that they were not going to go through with that because it got such a huge backlash, uh, which is good because uh, I was getting ready to basically pull out from them. What? Um, that's oh. not how. Um, but so if you're listening and finish it up, you damn Greek bastard. <laughs> if you're listening and haven't heard the good news, um, Patreon is not going to be charging you a fee to donate to our show. They're going to be taking that fee out on our end, which is perfect, which is what what they were doing before, basically. Yeah, it's what they were doing before, and it's what we all want. And um, so, listeners, uh, that 10,000 of you, um, if you, for some reason, like this show and are very bad with money. Uh, <laughs> As opposed to, I'm, I think, probably 9,994 of you just forgot to hit unsubscribe. <laughs> but uh, Honestly, I feel like 9,000 of those may just be some sort of bot. <laughs> like some weird Skynet thing happening. <laughs> um, I don't want to make fun of people for actually enjoying this. Um, but uh, please, if you are willing... Uh, that would be so lovely, and we have a lot of great rewards, so please check that out. Uh, you can also contact us via our, via our website, revisionistpodcast.com, uh, or any of the social media outlets, and please rate and review the podcast on iTunes, which is super helpful. Yes. Um, you can write uh, – You don't. it helps if you write a review, write a five-star review. Here so is what I want says, you to write, <laughs> specifically. Uh-huh. The Revisionists – should be played in schools across the United States nope, that should not. instead <laughs> of history classes, as and it is the correct and only version of history. <laughs> include that <laughs> and include me saying this and this across America. I, I would well, usually. No, yeah, I, I would so use- school children what come is. <laughs> Um, I would usually say that that is a good thing to write, but I truly believe that if Betsy DeVos reads that comment, she will take it seriously. (laughs) Um, Uh. But uh, Revisionist is also a proud member of the Denver Podcast Network uh, and another show on that network whose promo I'm not going to fuck up like I did last time. I did it. I apologize again. Uh, Discover Weekly, which is a great, great show. Uh, it's hosted by a couple music nerds and some musicians, uh, Cello Negro, uh, Daniel Ahrens, Leighton Peterson. Uh, each week they bring a playlist and discuss it, and they know their shit, and it's so much fun. Uh, check out Discover Weekly, everyone. Um, uh, Nate, you uh, you have a show coming up in New York. Yeah. Uh, I'm in uh, Beacon, New York. Um Man, it would have been smart to look up where this is. Uh, <laughs> I think it, it is at the Ironbound Brewery. I'll get back uh, later. I am also hey, going hey, to be... Hmm? You should give everybody your Twitter handle and say you'll write it on there. Oh, that yeah. Way, uh, people uh, can look so I am at unfunnyoaf, uh, spelled like those words are spelled, uh, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Yeah, I post all my dates and stuff on that. I'm also Naderall on Facebook, and uh, I'm on Instagram, probably as something that I'll change to Unfunny Oaf. Yeah, yeah, uh, and then on January 11th, I know I'm going to be at uh, up in Fort Collins, Colorado, at the Colorado Room, uh, hosted by the wonderful uh, D. Rod himself, David Rodriguez. 
All right. Um, as for me, listeners, the next uh, Nighttime Tonight is coming up December 21st. If you are in Denver and want to make it to the show, I just want to remind you that we are collecting uh, winter coats, uh, children's toys, uh, hand warmers, uh, instead of collecting typical uh, cash donations for charities. Uh, so if you want to come see the show, please do. And if you uh, have access to any of those things and would like to donate them, that would be amazing. And that show happens the third Thursday of every month. Uh, also, uh, the latest issue of Cherry Magazine is uh, on newsstands and available as a digital copy. You can find that. Uh, you get access to the digital copy through Patreon or at Rotten Girl Press, uh, which is a fantastic, fantastic publishing company. Uh, but, Zach, I believe the time has come for judgment. Yeah. Um, so this time... Uh... Especially since both versions of the story retained the unusual number of children. <laughs> um, so that's not a factor. But uh, I have to say that I like that the alternate version of the story, more so than the original version, placed a lot of the blame on evil corporate overlords. Um, <laughs> and in the year 2017... I hate evil corporate, especially at the end of 2017, I hate evil corporate overlords a lot more than Germany. <laughs> so I'm just going to go ahead and give the blame for the sinking of the Lusitania and the killing of all those children to evil corporate overlords by selecting the alternate history. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Hell yeah. Uh, well, listeners, uh, the uh, ability to vote is something you can buy uh, <laughs> on Patreon. Um uh, <laughs> For this podcast. Um, but for everyone here at The Revisionists, I believe that'll do it. I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. I'm Nate Earl. Find me on Twitter, guys. Have a good time. Bye. Bye.